0: Hello
1: Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice.
0: Hi Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you
1: i'm I'm good um actually i uh, I received earlier this week this telescopic arm for what? my work computer screen, so it attaches to my table, so my yeah. screen is now at a sensible height. And if I, I don't
0: even understand what that is,
1: it's like you know in work situations, often the sort of screens are on some sort of arm and you can sort of move it about and make no, it higher I don't and lower. Know that, well, at work, at the museum, that's what it's like. And I have now recreated <laughs> that at home. So I can angle the screen and um, move it in various directions quite How easily. Exciting. I know, it's so exciting. And,
0: and this is for a desktop computer?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's one I where you got can... I have a desktop, so I don't yeah, know about these things. It's, it's like a laptop, but you can de- detach the um, screen ah. from, from the um, keyboard, and it's quite small, so if you have it as a laptop, I sort of tend to crouch and, you know, so it's... Right. And also, when I use it for meetings, people see primarily the ceiling because I sort of look in, <laughs> look, look into it from the top. So anyway, so now you can give them like vignettes
0: of different parts yeah, of your outfit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Something. I can. So that has given me probably much more pleasure than it should. But um, I'm just looking at it now, and I'm no, just, I mean, I'm marvellous. just, insanely, is it an please. attractive thing? It is relatively attractive. Relative. It, it, relatively, it's sort of mm. it's silver and it's quite sturdy. It's not flimsy. I wouldn't say it's a thing of beauty, but it's not ugly either.
0: Okay, well that's that's all we can ask. Yeah,
1: already. I think at this point, you know, at this point, I I'm happy well, with that. Well, wonderful. Yeah, and what about you? Wow.
0: Well, I think I may have become obsessed with pencils.
1: Oh, really? Like, like I've
0: always really liked pencils, but I think it may have tipped into something else.
1: I am a bit ambivalent. Are you? Yeah, I think I it's the sharpening. Them. How do you sharpen them?
0: With a pencil sharpener.
1: Ah, and <laughs> I
0: don't have a special method.
1: <laughs> well, some people do it with <laughs> Maybe a knife. I should. Some people do it with a knife. I always admire oh, that. I,
0: I mean, I shouldn't really be allowed to have knives at all. I just cut myself immediately.
1: I mean, having said that, I do like the pencil sharpness that you attached. I obviously like things you attach to your table.
0: <laughs> you I'm imagining your desk with just all these things Attachment.
1: attached. Yeah, them. but you know the big ones. The big, yeah, like, yeah. A, like
0: they used to have at school.
1: Exact. yeah.
0: I, I mean, I just like the texture the way you can get different tones when you're writing.
1: Mm, They have a smell as well, which is quite nice. They have a
0: good smell, Mm. the different, the casing, just everything. And I remember there's this funny British film, like a fairly recent one, where it's like this couple who are on a road trip in, I think, Yorkshire, and they go to a pencil museum. And we were (laughs) watching this, and I was like staying you know, quiet and containing myself. And Adrian just turned to me and said, you want to go there now, don't you? I was like, yeah, I really do. I mean, I hope it is a real thing. I've never looked it up, but I really hope it's a real thing. And I hope I go there one day.
1: Well, at some point I, I was on a mission to rescue or expose the maybe more undervalued objects at the museum of london and i i looked into what we have multiples of and i might misremember but i'm almost certain we have about 200 pencils
0: oh can i come and look at the one day please (laughs) yeah
1: we need to arrange that when that's possible again And if you'd
0: like me to write a gushing incoherent blog post on it as
1: well i did actually include them in my proposal but i no one took me up on it
0: what your proposal when you got the job
1: no no but when I at some point I I proposed to have a, <gasps> oh sorry yeah that's sort that's of a display under, yeah. of of these sort of uh-huh. undervalued well um, you objects. know I'd
0: be there I taking know. a million pictures I know oh my god yeah. I think it's like I got it from my dad because he's obsessed with little pencils you know like he calls them stubbies when they've they've mm. worn down a lot, and he just like I would always give him the ones when I'd worn down my pencil a lot because he just loves those little ones.
1: I think my grandfather he had a contraption you put the pencil in, almost like you know a cigarette holder. Oh
0: yeah, I got my dad one of those. Mm. Yeah, he had it was a, like I think it was brass. I think
1: yeah, and I, then
0: you put the little pencil in, exactly. so that pleased him a lot.
1: Yeah, no, my grandfather had a lot of good mm. office. Equipment. I also
0: like the erasers at the end.
1: Yeah. Although yeah. sometimes they don't work that well. But maybe you don't use them. Oh,
0: uh, no, that's not bad. I No, I, I mean, that's an important thing. If there is a, an eraser, it has to work. Word. And I also like retractable pens. Oh, yeah,
1: I do like retractable pens. Oh, pencils. they
0: are so good. Oh, they're very good. Although I found when I was in America doing all my American look research, I repeatedly would have irate librarians come over and said, stop using that pen. And I'd be like, it's a pencil, oh. and i have to demonstrate it to them as a pencil.
1: Oh, true. I think that has happened to me.
0: It was a bit alarming because I would be immersed in something <laughs> and penciling away like crazy. And then, yeah. anyway, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't know. you know, get you into my world, my mad no. pencil world. No, no. I'm at the moment thinking, can I justify, you know, finding or buying the Bauhaus Black blackwing pencils even though i have other blackwing pencils and other pencils
1: i would think that's okay yeah yeah my counsel is go ahead
0: thank you thank you because it will make me very happy you're welcome good and what well, that's else that's all good what else what has else? been going well, beyond, on beyond the pencil obsession i didn't manage to read willie smith i will tell you about that next week. okay because I very much want to, but I've just had too many other things. Mm. But I did attend with quite a few of my students this, oh, just so amazing, enriching, transformative event online mm-hmm. that was organized by Knights Global run by Bizoie Babalola, who is an amazing, incredible woman. And it was just the best. I mean, you know, I've it's like on a whole nother level than <laughs> my pencil obsession. That's like... In the stationary drawer, literally and metaphorically, mm. my photography obsession, my obsession with Jamal Shabazz, mm. has gone on a long time, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. So it was he- him. Wow. And then it was also people he's photographed. No. Yes. Yes.
1: That's amazing. just. Just think
0: about that for a second. Yeah. How amazing and it was just the best, best curated group of people because you know clearly she had put so much thought into who would be interesting with Jamal Shabazz Mm. and it was so poignant and meaningful to have like he had his his sort of long-standing best friend who's called Lamel Logan who like lived around the corner from him and he's known since high school and they were both in the military in Germany like in different bits of Germany but in in Germany, mm. together and you know, have known each other most of their lives, and he's photographed him all that time. Um, Duprime, who he's he's photographed since he was a teenager, but then there were also people who he just photographed and then was seeing the after like 20 years. Wow. So, there was this man called Joe Cooper who was really interesting. There's this lovely photograph of him with his friend, like with his arm around his friend when he was about 16 and there was um, young Paris, and where he'd, he'd only discovered it was young Paris, the musician, and his mother, who's this amazing woman who's, who's been involved in sort of various art forms, including, um, like, folkloric theatre, and there's this beautiful photograph of her on the street in Brooklyn with two of her sons, three of her sons, and young Paris is hugging her, and Jamal Shabazz didn't know it was them, that he'd photographed until someone he posted it on his Instagram account. Someone tagged Young Paris in, and that's wow. how he discovered. So it was, it was just such a beautiful thing to see these people all together mm. and the way their lives intersected, and the kind of photographs as like punctuation points in the discussion, but also in their lives because for each of them that was like a moment that meant something particular to the to the subject of the photograph but also to jamal shabazz mm. and it was just oh my god bitches it was so good
1: and how did it, it work so i good. mean was it it was all online i presume and the people
0: yeah it was mm. zoom so mm. it was one of those ones i have to find out how you do this but you know the ones where it's like just the participants mm. are on the screen and it's like projected yeah. to you. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I've
1: been on one this week. about like Yeah, that. Mm. it was
0: really good. And it, and it was, Bizzoya Babalola was chairing it, so she'd like ask a question and occasionally she'd say, oh, will save that story because I want to come back to that later. But she, it was quite kind of light touch the way she chaired it, so she allowed it to develop as a proper conversation, mm. which was really good because I think you don't always get that in events like you often just get questions and answers whereas this was like a proper proper really engaged conversation where everyone was really listening to each other and really responding to each other so it was it was amazing to hear that and it sort of obviously it sort of started with Jamal Shabazz talking about how he kind of grew up and how he got into photography but then They didn't show many photographs, only maybe four or five photographs, but that was really good because it kind of, you know, paced and gave rhythm to the conversation. And also it brought in each speaker in particular. So it was like the photograph of them would come up and then they could talk about what it meant to them and Jamal Shabazz Mm. would talk about that. But then there was also really important and, you know, kind of heartfelt discussion about the way in which black people have been oppressed and the way in which you know the the, the ways that c- kind of community is so important and and the kind of use of photographs within that which was just oh god so good like there was this bit which i haven't stopped thinking about where as jamal shabazz went into the military so did his friend Lamel. Um, when they were very young, when they were 17. And it was like they both said in different ways it was like a way to get out of Brooklyn and get mm. out of the trouble that was going on in, in New York and in Brooklyn at that time and how it was really fascinating for for them as really young men going to Germany and being in a community of black people from all across America within the military so kind of they learnt a lot about black arts from being in the military and they learn i know isn't it and and they also learned i mean they also faced racism obviously within
1: oh yeah i can imagine i mean there was an army base where i come from in, in the in the town and in the neighboring town a mass really big army bases and in frankfurt there was an absolutely enormous army base american army. So I wonder where he he was, but there yeah, was yeah I, I
0: mean I don't remember if they actually said the names of the towns. I know lamel they weren't in the same place mm. because that they talked about visiting each other and and it was it was interesting because lamel Logan said that he had always had a poster of the New York subway map in his room because it was like a connection to where he came from and it was showing people who visited him where he came from. As well, and they clearly did really interesting and, and significant things while they were in a in Germany, mm. and also for them, kind of learning about the Second World War, but then being in the in Germany was really kind of opening up mm. for them of seeing the place that they'd heard about, mm. you know, and so that was really fascinating. But then they talked about how when they came back to New York how it was like coming back to a war zone. Mm. So it was really like this real real disconnect that they'd been in Germany, in peacetime Germany, but in the military. Mm. And then they came back to New York and and it was like, you know, in the middle of the AIDS crisis in the early 80s. Mm. And then crack and angel dust really destroying black communities Mm. at that time. So it was this very strange, yeah, experience. And, Yes, the thing that the thing that I started talking about that Jamal Shabazz said which I just think is incredible. He worked at Rikers, you know there's a prison yeah. in in New- yeah. Mm. And he worked there 20 years so he would come from like being a prison guard to then he would go to different places in Brooklyn to photograph. And he said this amazing thing that he said that he sees his photographs as visual medicine that he feels like it's a way to, for him to understand, learn about, and connect with the people who he's photographing. But, like, on a higher level than that, through then showing people the photographs of themselves, it kind of pulls them back to that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That it kind of shows them who they are. Yeah. And he said how powerful it was. He said it was really awful because a lot of the... Because it's mainly... A lot of the photography at that time was, like teens, early 20s people he was photographing and that he would see so many of them in the prison system and that when he showed them the photographs of themselves back home in Brooklyn, how impactful that was on them Mm. to see themselves there and what had become of them and how it could really kind of stop them in their tracks and make them reflect on and think about what had happened and also like showing drug dealers in prison Photographs of people who they'd sold to and saying and and now see where that person is and see what you did to them mm. through that that it was this, yeah, this kind of medicinal experience, and I just thought that like yeah, like I said, I just keep coming back mm. to that since yeah, okay. I heard it because it's just so powerful, yeah, so I think it yeah, I think it's like I feel really lucky that I heard this conversation and and I've been talking with my students a lot about it since. And I think for all of us, we keep, you know, like when you hear a really brilliant conversation, you Mm. keep going back and going back and going back. So it was very deep and very, you know, really sad and really angry making at points where, like there was one person who, in the group, who they realized during the conversation, Jamal Shabazz realized that the week he photographed him, was also the week that he was taken and beaten by the police and like taken for five days so it was suddenly this like shattering rethinking of that image what that was the is image like, like it's like the image it's two boys two young teenage boys at like 16 with their arms around each other mm. and just looking to camera and smiling and they you know they're dressed really well they look happy but it's this this part of a story and part of a life you know Mm. so it was really yeah as I say really pulled you up short and made you confront things in a really important way but then there were also really interesting things sorry I'm doing a monologue that's
1: fine (laughs) Um, no I'm just so
0: full of it it's (laughs) like I can't stop talking about it and thinking about it but also really interesting about like different spaces within the city so he talked Jamal Shabazz talked about you know, he was from East Flatbush, and so he was, like, photographing there was this particular, I always want to say mall, because that's how you say it in English, but mall, shopping mm-hmm. mall, Alby Square Mall, which was, like, the place um, where everyone met. So this sort of sense of coming together of all different types of people and types of teenagers at that point in the 80s. But then he also, in the early 90s, there was, like, another, I think it was another mall in Queens, in Jamaica, Queens, that was really like a cool place to go. So he went there because he wanted to understand people there mm. as well. And it was really, I really liked it. One of the, I think it was Dupreme who, or maybe, no, yeah, Dupreme. There was really, it was really fantastic how he described it, how everyone else in the group was really reacting to him when he was describing how important your clothes were. Mm. And so it really captured that moment in your teens where every detail of your appearance matters and it matters in relation to your close friends but though then also kind of showing out to the people around yeah. you, you know? And he talks about I must find this yeah, it's like there's a photograph of him. It's really sweet. Him and his girlfriend and their baby. They had a baby when he was um, 16, and he said he went through his outfit and he was like, "Yeah, my hat—it's a London fog hat." And I was thinking, "Wow, yeah. isn't that amazing?" So that was really cool. And then he's—he called it a leather front, like a sweater with leather trim. Oh
1: yes, I can—I can picture that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then his girlfriend had got a suede front on that was his, but she's wearing it. So it's like, I love the way because I think a lot of Jamal Shabazz's photographs. You get a real sense of the connection. He he has such a good eye for style, but style is signifying like emotion and connection between people. And he often photographs groups. Your know, friends, where, yeah, yeah, of friends where it's just fascinating the way they're connecting to each mm. other materially and visually. And he also said about how his girlfriend is was wearing custom nameplate earrings, and how <laughs> that was like the coolest thing you could do and the best thing you could do was buy your girlfriend custom wow. nameplate earrings. And I, I loved this. And so they and they were all really reacting and laughing and like it clearly had such resonance. And it made me think about how Shabazz's photographs, there's real like looking at them now from a kind of time distance, there's real like nostalgia in them, particularly for obviously for the people who are involved. But it's not like a kind of like a sentimental nostalgia. It's more active. I don't know if you, if that's a phrase, active nostalgia, but do you know what I mean? It's more something that's about a story that needs to be told or something that has greater resonance than just saying, oh, I remember that, you know? Because the other thing that they talked about, which I'd never heard of, oh, who was it? Was it Joe? I can't remember if it was Joe or Dupreme, who talked about having wearing like Bill Blass pants and and like went through his outfit, like what was needed and how they wore BVDs or BBDs they sometimes call them.
1: I don't know what (laughs) that is.
0: No, I didn't know what it was I had to look it up and apparently it's like an underwear set and you had to buy the set and it was really important that you got matching colours and you only ever wore the matching colours and it was underwear I guess like a vest or t-shirt and pants and you know you could get them in like bright colors like yellow orange red but you had to wear them to match and they were nylon and you had to to lower your pants your trousers I mean like just enough so you showed that was what you were wearing and that they matched but not any more of them because it's kind of before the kind of really Really yeah Yeah, and I just love that and I had to look up this firm BVD because as soon as I looked it up I realized, oh, it was Joe saying that. And I realized that I do know BVD from, like, my 30s, like, 40s um, American look research as, like, swimwear company.
1: Oh, okay. But
0: apparently the, this underwear was really important. And that it's, like, a firm that was bought out several times but originates in the late 19th century. And, yeah, it was so funny how they all lit up. Like, you could see all their faces, like, oh, yes, the BVD hmm. pants. And the other thing I really thought was funny that I really want to know more about is Joe said about how important it was you were neat and they were all saying that like in this period it was super, super important that you were really, really neat and that you would either starch in a crease in your trousers or you would sew it in. Wow. Wow.
1: You that's know, starch, about, yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Isn't it? And mm. I, I I kind of feel like I have to, it's really frustrating because I really I've got, two of Jamal Shabazz's books but they're in my office at uh, work
1: so I can't mm. get
0: them and I'm like desperate to go yeah. back
1: yeah and there's not <laughs> well, that much just, on this website
0: no mm. no I'm mm. like that's gonna be the first thing when I get back my office <laughs> is to do that and then it was interesting because young Paris is obviously hence the name younger generation so it was sort of interesting how he would kind of say yeah but wearing sag clothes was kind of a rebellion as well because they were talking about how that came from like belts being confiscated in prison to stop suicides Mm. and how that prison, that like enforced prison, almost dehumanising thing, I think, Mm. would then come onto the streets because people would continue that when they came Mm. out and were home. And so it entered fashion and then it kind of gains its own momentum because then Young Paris was talking about buying jeans that were six sizes too big and like it was really funny because the older members of the panel were really like laughing and saying yeah but people look so silly because they have to walk a certain way to keep them
1: mm, up that's true. and he was
0: saying yeah but it's a rebellion and, mm. and like buying t-shirts that would come down to your knees and it's really fascinating how you saw particular style notes going across generations but then others really changing and, or like magnifying
1: and was it um, all all men in the conversation no oh.
0: there was also um let me just get her name right pamela Bad- badila who's the one i told you about who is like works in theater oh, okay and, uh, yeah she was amazing because she's i didn't realize at first but she is young paris's mother and oh, okay. she has think- 10 children and So it was really interesting, like the interaction between mother and son. But also I think she was really insightful because she's African-American. Young Paris's father was Congolese. So young Paris, and they also lived in Paris for a while. So it's like he has this kind of triple identity of European, American, African. Mm. And it was really fascinating how they talked about that and how she talked a lot about how when they came over to America they made money through their art and and you know, art as another means of lifting yourself Getting up, out. lifting mm-hmm. your community up, but also of making money, of it being a, a way to live as well. And they had they had a fantastic um, they showed a fantastic photograph that Shabazz took when he went to Jamaica Queens in the early nineties when women were becoming more important in in hip hop, you know, like Salt and Pepper. Mm. And there's a great photograph of two girls, and they're like turning away from the camera, but their heads are turning back, and they've got like ripped acid wash jeans. Mm. And they were like all the panelists were saying, and that's when girls started really wearing sneakers rather than shoes, mm. which I thought was a really interesting point. Again, I need to get back in my office, yeah, get my books out, and really study all my Shabazz mm. pictures again for this, but no, it was just wonderful bit, I cannot tell, can you hear Coder is now shouting
1: agreeing, yeah god he's god. agreeing
0: he listened to the whole thing too I
1: hope it it's great. recorded
0: I saw that they were recording it but I don't know,
1: whether they I, were. I should mm. email
0: and ask whether it's going to be available anyway because it was incredible it, it was amazing, yeah. so oh my god, just like transformative how good it was
1: mm. so I do hope it's made available in some way. Well, thank you for telling just, me about it. I feel like, I feel like I was there now.
0: I'm glad. I'm I'm sorry that I did a monologue. But no, but
1: how else I would you have done it? I mean, to tell you. you couldn't have done it in mime in this particular situation.
0: <laughs> That's true. Although mime is one of my favorite means of communication. Yeah. With
1: well, you. we'll get back to that eventually. <laughs> yeah.
0: We will. Eventually our whole mime thing will yeah. be recreated. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks Heck, for me to I feel to like look we up. have to go
0: away and, and think more yeah. about these ideas. Yeah,
1: let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's good to talk to you, and yeah. I'll talk to you next
0: week. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.